0: General Zod. I have journeyed across an ocean of stars to reach you. Your world has sheltered one of my citizens. He will look like you, but he is not one of you. To those of you who know of his location, the fate of your planet rests in your hands. To Kal-El, I say this. Surrender within 24 hours or watch this world suffer the consequences. You will not win. Forever you will you save, we will kill a million more
1: won't betray them you already have
2: Welcome to episode 28 of First Strike, the Invasion podcast, the podcast that looks at the Invasion crossover event from DC Comics' 1988 season. Is it a season? Whatever. And uh, all its tie-ins. I'm Siskoid. I'm Bass, And today we're doing a Superman double feature because it's uh, Superman number 27 and Adventures of Superman number 450. Big number. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, well, both kind of flow into one another. Oh,
0: they're basically... It's just one big... Yeah, yeah. One picks up exactly where the other one leaves off.
2: Right. So. We're in the middle towards end of Invasion Aftermath. Yeah. Creeping ever closer to Invasion number three. Hope you're still with us. This, this, <laughs> this story has a conclusion, we swear. <laughs> we swear. We swear. In this episode, we'll look at both comics. So, in our first part, we'll talk about Superman number 27. In mm-hmm. the second part... Adventures of Superman four fifty. But like we said, it's just one big an important story for Superman. It is in the is. middle of the invasion event. So let's go for it. <laughs> Superman number twenty seven. Of course, you know this means war is the title. It's by writer Roger Stern, penciler Carrie Gammel, Inker Brett Breeding, letterer John Costanza, colorist Glenn Whitmore, as edited by Renee Witherssteiter and Mike Carlin. Uh, The cover is by Cary Gamble and Dennis Janke, which features... uh, Let's look at it. Features the Guardian fighting gangbuster. Uh, Superman is on the cover. (laughs) Ha ha ha. But on the newspaper, there's a Daily Planet on the ground that says, uh, Superman speaks out gangbusters, methods, criminal, by Stern, Gamble, and Breeding. Three people, three journalists worked on that one story. Well, it's Superman's a hard guy to get, you know. And Superman is really, you know, the Daily Planet scoop. Yeah. I guess it's like Superman... On every page is, yeah. uh, is how the Daily Planet is often portrayed. Uh, and uh, what, what does it say? Invasion Aftermath Extra, of course, and Gangbuster and Guardian one-on-one. It's quite the fight, actually. We'll get into that. But I kind of like the cover. It's full
0: of action. I like to see, you know, all three superheroes on the cover, even though Superman's just on the on the Daily Planet. Technically. Technically. I, spoilers. I, I really like how it's uh, Guardian is doing his Guardian thing, you know, being all... Police officer E type fights and Captain and, America. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> He's very being much Captain so. America and uh, Gangbuster seems to be you know on the down low but still in the fight. So it's 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 pretty good. A bunch of newspapers all over the place. It's cool.
2: Yeah, it's a good cover. Generally, I like Cary Gamble uh, yeah. on the Superman books. This is my favorite era, probably of Superman. Just after John Byrne left, you know, pretty nice artists and writers kind of took over the direction of the books. The art is quite nice.
0: I mean, it is it is what you think of when you see a, a Superman comic book. So it's... Clean art. Clean art. Dynamic fighting. Yeah. You know, good expressions. Good camera work. I, I always call it like camera work, mm. but it's good angles, good, you know, we like to create some tone and Superman flies a lot. So you could always just show him going up, but you know, you see different angles, different ways of giving us the...
2: The Man of the Seal. So I, I really like it. So John Byrne kind of set the table after Crisis. Oh, yeah. But uh, these guys, I think, are the ones that did some of the more interesting work. Once you've recreated, like, Sluthor and Metallo and Brainiac and just, like, redesigned everything, uh, then people have to take that into some kind of interesting direction. Yeah. And um, they really did some good work with the supporting cast and the larger world of Metropolis. And though, at this point, Action Comics isn't actually a Superman comic. Okay. At this point, it's Action Comics Weekly, and it's got a lot of stories, including you know a short Superman two pager. But uh, eventually, in this era, it'll be George Perez doing the art on Action Comics. So there's going to be three Superman books. Uh,
0: coming Once out. again, let's oh, see. Wow.
2: Superman was drawn by um, Cary Gamble, and then you had you have Jerry Ordway on Adventures of Superman. You'll have George Perez on Action Comics. Wow. So you've got a. A nice looking and clean looking Carrie oh, yeah. Gamble, the lesser of all of them. Well, and yet uh, I think that's, he's doing a great job. Some of the some great work. Let's uh, head into the synopsis. So, basically, this is the first half of this part of the story. After the invaders have retreated, Superman is on cleanup duty and spots a crashed spaceship near Ayers Rock in Australia. He helps Australian special forces open it, the spaceship, not the rock, uh, (laughs) without setting off any booby traps and finds all the aliens inside dead. From there, he flies to Metropolis to file a story with the Daily Planet and everyone remarks on how tired he looks. He goes home to a trashed apartment, remember the Thanagarian attack sort of blew it up in the previous issue, and passes out in his only remaining chair, watching the the news on his still-working TV. Around the same time, Lex Luthor is in a meeting with the U.S. military about analyzing the captured alien technology, when Gangbuster crashes through the penthouse office window, throws everyone out except Lex, barricades the door, and threatens Luthor as the source of crime in the city. In response, Lex lets Brainiac out of his special cupboard, uh, because I guess that's, that's a thing. But when trying to peel the layers off Gangbuster's mind, Brainiac suffers psychic feedback and is knocked out. Gangbuster is rattled and feels he can't punch the heck out of Luthor after all, so he jumps out the window and onto another floor and escapes through the basement eventually, with security guards kind of going after him, trying to shoot him. And it's Guardian, as the cover told us, who catches up with him later in Suicide Slum and who tries to reason with him about his over-violent methods. There's a fight that ends when Guardian slashes his shield at Gangbuster's chest and rips the chest piece right off. Both men are stunned. We don't know why. To be continued. What a suspenseful ending. (laughs) Uh, Thankfully, we didn't have long to wait. Yeah, really? Even in the real world, that was like a week later.
0: Okay. Oh my God. I would have gone nuts for a week. Who was this man? But loved it. Loved that fight. It's a a long five-page fight. We see really Guardian shine, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, because uh, Guardian's very athletic, but Gangbuster seems to be like superhuman. And uh, I think he really shines in there. He's like a mix of uh, Captain America and like, I'd say Nightwing. You know, he's yeah, jumping acrobatic. bouncing all over the yeah. place and, you know, hitting with a shield.
2: Well and- I think yeah, he's, he's Jack Kirby's Captain America. Yeah, basically. He's very much a tumbler kind yeah. of character and the way carrie Gamble uh, draws these action scenes is that you'll show like the after image Mm -hmm. so you'll see a character moving through space yeah that that. is the nightwing effect yeah i just love that that you you called it once when we're doing checkmate like one of the first episodes. well you like to show how yeah you know the acrobatics yeah gangbuster is also acrobatic in this so there is one in where he's in the lexus building and flipping around and in this you've got a guardian
0: flipping around flipping around just going all (laughs) over the place
2: so there are really two big action scenes in this. Yes, yeah. yeah. The, the, the attack on LexCorp and the, the fight between the two heroes. Yeah, and both of them are dynamic and play kind of silently as well. The, the fight between the two guys—they're talking. All the, you know—it's yeah, superheroes. Yeah. Well, but, it's not Spider-Man talking, but it's still talking. Uh, right? Guardian is trying to convince Gangbuster to cool off and examine what he's doing. Yeah, and which makes him more Captain America-ish in a way. Mm-hmm. You know, well, he's
0: he, you know he's.
2: True Blue, you know he's yeah, uh, a Golden Age, yeah, hero.
0: I guess he still has those memories. I I think so. W- which Guardian is this? That uh, he's the clone of.
2: He's the, the clone of the original. Of the, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, there have been many others. Well, uh, after and between and yeah, because
0: you know. we have the clones of the Newsboy Legion and we have the clone. Right. Of, uh... So he's the clone so of the Guardian. The
2: but but the, the the not the invasion into uh, LexCorp, but the escape from LexCorp is mostly played silently. Yeah, and again, that works. You don't need any captions. You don't need any thought bubbles. Although he is, uh, we do have
0: thought bubbles. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the thought bubbles, which you know disappear after a while in comics, basically tell us that he wants to punch Luther. And by the way, I love Luther in this era. This is no, the, this is this is the, the, the b- businessman Luther. The, the yeah, the ugh, businessman who's. You know, he has this image, this public image, but underneath he's really a rat, you know. I just love this Luther. He's, you know, he's really the anti-Superman, you know. He's on the same spectrum. Superman's on one
2: end and he's on the other. Yeah. His the- villainy is more real for being in, like, more of a businessman, organized crime figure than before when he was a mad scientist. Yeah, mad scientist likes meh. That's, like, that's dated. That's from another era, yeah. it seems. So, I in just, just love 80s... This-
0: yeah, I just love this corporate sup- villainy. Yeah. Well, he's still super smart. I mean, he
2: could be a mad scientist. And he's he, also yeah, he also he's also that. He's, but you know, he's, he built his business on his own engineering and uh, science skills. But basically, he's like an evil
0: Batman without the you know. And I just love this Lex. But gangbuster in this. I mean, I was wondering, what the hell is he doing jumping out that window? He just leapt off. and yeah, he's fearless. He is, and I thought, what is he going to fly away? What's what's going on? What's the plan? And he just grabs a rope all of a sudden, out of the blue. That he it, probably left there, I mean... Well, that's how he got in, yeah. right? But that's what we think. For some odd reason, I was like, ooh, this
2: guy, he, he has something. Because the sequence goes, I mean, it's he jumps out the window, grabs, he, you know, he rappels down a rope. He swings the rope into another floor, and then opens... An elevator shaft drops down the elevator shaft. Oh yeah! Escapes through um, the basement, then the you know finds a tunnel that goes into the sewers, and out he goes miles away. And he gets shot, and they think, well, I guess we must have missed. And I feel like I I hit him, but he didn't stop. So there are a lot of clues, and we do know that this gangbuster is not Jose Delgado. He's not the the real gangbuster who at this point who had recently suffered a uh, broken back, so it couldn't be him, or couldn't it? You know, so we don't know what's going. on on but uh, he moves a lot like i'd say batman but with more strength that's the yeah it's a bit of a daredevil kind of you know going yeah yeah fire escapes and yeah but the way he jumps from building to building there you've got someone who leaps yes buildings in a single bound but everything is very
0: reminiscent of
2: you know old
0: superhero serial like these older comic strips where this one superhero would just go into a uh, an office and just shake a guy and say hey you're gonna
2: stop hitting women well the very first superman you know story has uh, superman kind of swing a guy out the window yeah uh, and you know jump off with the guy in his in his arms exactly and the guy freaks out it's kind of these old school scare tactics and you
0: know trying to scare luther straight which is i don't know it's not gonna work what do you think of gangbusters
2: costume because i've i've heard people dismiss it Say that it's stupid.
0: Well, it's it's reminiscent of. Uh, I like this word, reminiscent. It,
2: it, it kind of looks like an old
0: school X Men uh, uh, yeah, superhero the, costume, sort of
2: like the where the yellow
0: yeah, falls. Well, you know, uh, you have like these, I guess, leggings or tights underneath, like a. Bathing suit type thing. You know, it's a classic strongman look. You know, the boots. It's a classic superhero costume. But you, you have these weird these weird sticks on it. That I don't really get what they are. Are they nunchucks? What are they? Yeah, it looks they like... They seem to be a belt. I think it's a nunchuck that makes the belt. I don't. It's removable. It's kind of weird. I don't like that part. But the rest is very, you know shoulder paddy things. Basic color scheme. I mean, two colors. And helmet. It's it's a basic superhero costume. It's very basic.
2: Well, to me, maybe the, the only thing that maybe is kind of silly is the emblem, the chest emblem with the yeah. fist, with the the line through it overly drawn as far as emblems go but no i like the gangbuster costume especially if it's going to be drawn like this or in the next issue by um jerry ordway or in the previous issue by jerry ordway if you will i've always liked that design and i think it works almost the same design for uh guardian
0: you know it's also a classic superhero tall boots tight pants uh underwear over you know, the, the and helmet. Men. He's also got a helmet. And a helmet. You know, almost all the superheroes had some that looked like this. No capes, because only two of them had capes early on. Three of them. <laughs> early Green Lantern, Captain Thunder, whatever his name is, Captain Marvel.
2: Batman, Superman.
0: And, oh, yeah, these are superheroes, too. <laughs> let's go back to the invasion stuff okay the very first page where
2: we're in australia where we know
0: that was the focal point of the invasion you know it's australia because one person has a hat with the side lifted out <laughs> and you know it's australia and yeah. he says might a lot
2: you also know it's australia because ayers rock is a uh, oh yeah famous landmark in the yeah. middle of big red outback. rock in the middle of the outback yeah or uluru if you will uh, yeah. ayers rock being the the europeanized name it felt a little green to me when i looked at the first page i thought is ayers rock really in a field of green <laughs> you know when you think of the outback it's yellow orange yeah so i did some research and uh, no no it's ayers rock is also an oasis in the middle of the desert and our mm-hmm. resorts around because of that so yes there is greenery okay
0: there's a lot of green. just
2: uh, you know before i throw uh, glenn whitmore the <laughs> colorist under the bus uh you know i checked and uh, yeah, this is how it's supposed to be, probably based on, depending on the season. And it's hard to say in comics when we are exactly.
0: The first pages are quite indicative of what uh, Superman is going through. Right mm-hmm. now, because okay. there's a lot of stuff where you see Superman in the panels, but it's just stuff going through his brain all the time. And and when he sees like all these aliens dead, he goes to you know this death spiral. He's thinking about death and invasion and war, and this goes on uh, quite a bit. He seems to be in
2: his head a lot. What are the memories he has for well, no reason. Let, let let's say no reason at this point. No no definite reason is. The time he, or fairly recently, but not that recently, executed three Kryptonian criminals in the yeah. Pocket Universe.
0: Well, that would be uh, General Zod, isn't it? These guys? Yeah. Zod guys. and Theora. And well, they and,
2: changed and, th- yeah. whoever it was. The others changed names, right. but But Zod it's like the always... pre-crisis yeah. versions of them from the, the Pocket Universe where Superboy comes from. Okay. Well, but, this haunts him. Yeah, this haunts him. Of course, he killed... This is the only three people he, he's ever killed. And in Cold Blood, too, because it's an execution, not... Yeah fight for fear of perhaps them, well, they needed to be punished and he was the only Kryptonian still alive anywhere, Uh, so he felt it was his ...duty to, to carry it out, sure. Mm-hmm. Also, there might have been a danger that these guys find their way to our Earth. Oh, definitely. And they destroyed the pocket universes. You know, it could still happen. But he's thinking about this, and you're wondering, why is he thinking about this? Is it, there's, there's just, like, death in the air, and he's thinking about it. But, of course, it's gonna we're, we're going to find out in the next issue that it all ties in well, to what's been happening. Why he's had sleepless nights, why yeah. he's looking so disheveled. He's so depressed. I mean... Yeah, he's he's having it rough. It's yeah, really... he's
0: he's not shaving. I mean, I, I love the way Superman shaves. You know, he's perfected the rebounding of his heat vision on some kind of mirror. I mean, mirrors wouldn't affect his heat vision normally. I guess he kind of Back in those days, uh,
2: when you see it, you know, there's no beams in the uh, post-crisis. No, it's just it's, Yeah. So it's like uh, uh pyrokinesis. So, you, so maybe he's just like Using the mirror as a gauge to where he wants the heat to go, but he almost burns himself. He's so tired that he almost burns himself.
0: There's this thing where he just leaves his apartment. I mean, he could super speed clean that up, but he's not doing that. He's just he's just plopping in this chair and putting on the TV and you know it's not. It's pretty lucky
2: that that's still on given the shape of the building.
0: Yeah, and he's not even buttoning his shirt is wide open. He's not. He's really like in this careless. He doesn't care. Moment. He really seems depressed. I was
2: worried, but he should be. He's having like. I mean, it's Superman. He's not supposed to just pass out in his chair when he gets home. But things have been happening in his own books, Mm -hmm. and he's already been overtired, and he's been having nightmares about those Kryptonian villains and uh, and Brainiac. There's a recent attack by Brainiac that kind of scrambled his brains as well. So he's very, very tired, and then there's invasion in the middle of all this. He has a lot of stuff on his plate. The alien, the dead aliens. Yeah. Since this is an invasion podcast, let's talk about the invasion elements Uh just a little more and it's just because I couldn't really identify what alien race that was? Well there's a
0: there's at least, a dominator. There's at least one dominator. Pointy fingers. I don't know. Because they look
2: more human than any of the Yeah. They might be Thanagarian, maybe? Yeah, it's just does it look like they've got, you know, the costumes for it. No, they don't. Could this be one of those alien races that are just already subjugated by the dominators or, or did you just got roped into the alliance that aren't important kind that, of thing?
0: I I they might be. It might be because it's all the faces are basically, we can't identify them. There's only this one Dominator and there's only one. So I'm thinking maybe Dominator was there to keep because he needed to bark orders at this band of
2: whatever crew this is. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, because the Alliance, they hired people. Yeah. Like, we, we saw some in uh, Swamp Thing, and we saw some, uh, so yeah, basically Mercenaries. But that shot, that shot, though, it's it's a beautiful shot. I just love that shot.
2: With all the faces in shadow. The and Faces
0: the... in shadow, and everything is in dim light, and we kind of still... Yeah, there's an effect for the uh, flashlights. Yeah, and I love that effect, because it, it actually works. It really works, like a like a lens flare, and it's, I mean, it's drawn. And, the, and this is,
2: yeah, this is pre, like today, you want lens flares, you can just drop lens flares... At the coloring yeah. stage, easy. But this is just the, the way the inking is done There's and the coloring. So they've kept a white, uh, you know, like many images. And when we talk about an image, particularly... Uh, you can be sure that i'll be putting it down at the fireandwaterpodcast.com website under the post for the podcast there's a post with all the images that you want to see yeah. so that's it's there yeah you uh, can look at them while you listen to the podcast yeah exactly so it's uh yeah it's it's a really nice job and it shows how even in the the primitive days before computer coloring where you could achieve oh yeah this is beautiful. very nice effects and uh very often it's it's not really necessary all this finicky computer coloring uh you could achieve a, a lot with the the old printing process oh, Oh, big time. We'll take a small break. When we come back, uh, we'll follow this story up with its uh, continuation in Adventures of Superman number
0: 450. Stay. What? Have you ever read uh, a Superman comic? Not in the last few hours.
1: Oh, I was just checking, right? Just checking. Hey, everyone. My name is Michael Bailey, and I have been a fan of Superman for as long as I can remember. In 1987, I started collecting the Superman comics as a going concern, which led me down a long and winding, comic book-filled path to 2007 when I first started podcasting. Well, it's 2017, and because it's been 10 years since I started podcasting, and 30 years since I started reading Superman full-time, I thought it might be fun to start a new show called It All All Comes Comes Back Back to Back to Superman. It all comes back to Superman will be my monthly reaffirmation of my Kryptonian faith, where I will pick out something about the Man of Steel and discuss it. Sometimes I'll be alone. Sometimes I'll have a guest. No matter how many people get involved, Superman will be the focus. It all comes back to Superman as part of the Fortress of Bailey Tube Podcasting Network. New episodes will drop on the twenty eighth of every month. This show and all of the other programs that are part of the Fortress of Baylitude podcasting network can be found at www.fortressofbaylitude.com.
2: We're back. We're talking about Adventures of uh, Superman number 450. It's kind of a landmark issue, although it's not double size or anything. No, but the story is very important. It's a turning point in the life of Superman, so uh, I think it counts as a sort of celebration. It's uh, let's see, let's let's see. It's called Triple Threat by writer and penciler Jerry Ordway, uh, embellisher Dennis Janky, letterer Albert De Guzman, colorist Glenn Whitmore again, as edited once again by Renee Withersdayer and Mike Carlin. The cover is by Jerry Ordway. All by Liz Lonesome. It is a shot of Superman sadly floating away from the daily planet building which is in ruins mm-hmm. thanks to the invasion lex building in the background untouched untouched <laughs> the rest of the city ablaze yeah
0: it's, it says a lot it just says a lot there's a lot going on in this cover you can feel why superman's not feeling that great uh, LexCorp is all shiny <laughs> you know, daily planet it's or... like
2: it's like luzor had some sort of deal with the aliens that we don't oh. know about oh, he probably did <laughs> He probably quick a backroom deal, and the the cover copy says "Banished." <laughs> oh my
0: God, I would have picked this thing up so quickly if it if I was buying comics back
2: when, back then. Yeah, like I said earlier, I mean this one this is Jerry Ordway, who is a master artist. Some people don't like his Superman all that much, just because he's got like a more of a lantern jaw kind of look going. But come on, hey. come on, people, hey. come on. But he's great as at, draw- at drawing human faces mm-hmm. and uh, you know different expressions and Adventures of Superman. Despite the name, it's, it's hard to say what, what kind of focus you want to give your comic based on the actual title. When you've got different, you know, action comics should be very actiony, but. It may not be, you know, it depends yeah, on... Yeah, exactly. exactly. So, so, Superman should be about Superman. Adventures of Superman? We're going to have
0: adventures. This is just like the ongoing arc. Yeah. Well, and, Adventures of Superman
2: know... kind of became, probably because of the original writer, Marv Wolfman, became more about the, the supporting cast. So you'd have, you know, running subplots. Which is kind of cre- weird. They created Cat Grant, you know, early on. Intergang was always, like, sort of in the background. So mm-hmm. you had more of, like... Maybe because Adventures of Superman was the, the name of the TV show in the probably. 50s it had a cast, so it, it was a lot more about doing journalism and then finding out a story and uh, then changing it to Superman, you know, like a yeah. TV formula. Maybe that's it. Maybe that's that was why it was that take, but Jerry Ordway really took to it when he took over the book. And, um, you know, there's a lot more with the supporting cast in this than in the previous. Let's do the synopsis because we've got to kind of reveal yeah. what the shocker was last time if my very obvious hints weren't uh, obvious enough. Revealed under Gangbuster's vest plain as day Superman's chest. (gasps) The Man of Steel is confused like he just woke up doesn't know what he's doing there or why he's wearing Gangbuster's uniform. Guardian tries to help him but Superman flies away. He goes to Lois's place, but sees she's with Jose Delgado, the hero formerly known as Gangbuster, who, having had his back broken, now can walk again, thanks to LexCorp tech. Superman turns back, deciding to go it alone instead. He doesn't overhear, then Lois telling Jose she only wants to be friends and Jose's subsequent racing out of her apartment. Superman next contacts Professor Hamilton. He wants a space breather he invented, but Hamilton sold it already to Star Labs. Thankfully, Kitty Faulkner, some people know her as Rampage, works there, and she's an old friend, so uh, he gets his breathing apparatus regardless. Meanwhile, Jose goes to his last doctor's visit, and Luthor's there to ask him to become his bodyguard. Jose refuses, so Lex uses the tech inside him to control his body and force him to. Such a snake. (laughs) I repaired your spine. It's mine. Elsewhere, Morgan Edge makes a pass at Cad Grand before calling his Intergang Connection to discuss how to best take advantage of the invasion's destructive impact on Metropolis. It's a super mob, but still a mob, so they've oh, got yeah. construction contracts. They've got construction. <laughs> yep. Speaking of Intergang... Clark Kent has written a multi-part exposé on the criminal group and he goes to Kansas to ask his mindpa to send the articles through the mail twice a week until it's all published. Perry White will think he's gone to ground to avoid retaliation while he actually leaves Earth. He tells his family about how he executed three Kryptonian villains in the Pocket Universe, how this led to a psychotic break that created a gangbuster persona, and how he no longer trusts himself and must go into exile. He tells uh, Matrix currently living with the Kents to take care of them, and kisses Lana Lang goodbye before flying out into space. Behind him, a polarizing flash. The gene bomb explodes, but he doesn't notice. Did you notice that the gene
0: bomb didn't explode in the first one? It couldn't. It couldn't. But (laughs) I did. I was like, when is the gene bomb going to go off? Well, gene bomb goes off, and we
2: see that flash in Superman's feet, and we're left
0: wondering, when will he know?
2: Never. Well, I guess he'll read the newspaper later. I can tell you when. He was out into space for like six months of our time. I don't know about his time. So he came back for Superman Returns. (laughs) Is that how that works? (laughs) Yeah, that's... that's... He came back Yeah, Brendan Routh. I wonder. Does that, does that mean that in the Donnerverse, invasion happened? Um, no, I don't think that's why he says he goes. So, no, probably not, but let's say that's Yeah, fine. that's it, that's it. uh there's so much more happening mm. in the Doniverse that we knew. Basically, this will be a very important journey for him because uh, on the one hand, it's a new take on the classic idea that the like the pre-crisis Superman was was universe famous. Yeah. You know, aliens were always calling on him for help because everybody knew Superman. He
0: was known all over
2: the place. All over the place, and he had many space adventures and yeah. you may or may not like in, in that space idea. and
0: time. Because he was going all over the place in time and everything.
2: This is like a take on that, which makes okay. him not universe famous. Like the Silver Age, which is kind of ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, but it does you know grow his legend. And that's going to... He's going to bring back stuff with him. When he comes back, he brings the Eradicator uh, okay, yeah. artifact. And yeah. that's going to become... A villain, and then, you know, it's going to affect his life, and then it's going to become a villain, and then it's going to become one of the replacement supermen after uh, yeah. he dies. And it's going
0: to try and reproduce Krypton on Earth. Exactly. Like so this got, it's going to be a major Yeah, battle. this
2: is stuff that was in the world of Krypton miniseries that mm-hmm. John Byrne wrote, and Mike Mignola drew, but um, it, they're bringing that mythology with him. So more yeah. Kryptonians, and that's it's going to create a fortress of solitude. So yeah. it's so all of that's coming from that space journey. Okay. Uh, Mongol, he meets Mongol, and becomes yeah. a gladiator for Mongol. A Mongol's going to return Return in time for um, well, Reign of the Superman and all that. Destroy yeah. Coast City. This is all coming oh, wow. from this exile into space. So it's a very, very important story. Wow. And while he's doing that, Matrix will sort of take his place or start become Supergirl again. And then we'll have a like a pretty steady Supergirl from that point on on Earth. So somebody's got to take up the slack. It's six yeah. months without Superman. In Metropolis. Uh, And that's gonna, you know, that's also gonna have long-term impact. Uh, Meanwhile, they're gonna run like Lex Luthor backups. So Superman's in space and then Lex Luthor's screwing around on Earth. And he gets his own backup stories because of it. Yeah, so there's a lot of stuff that's coming out of this. So
0: this is the starting point for headband bearded Superman. Yes, that's the one with the one shoulder, with uh, the, the,
2: like the the sash, the sash, the cape s- as a sash. Yeah, yeah. I like to
0: call him the Hercules. Yeah. Uh, Superman.
2: Yeah, yeah. That's... He looks
0: like a mythologic. You know, he's like he looks like a Roman thing. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah.
2: And that that's really the return when uh, when we get that annual yeah. with George Perez art where he's got the the sash. Yeah, that's like the finishing that story, and then he comes back uh, wow. to, to Earth after so that. I think. this
0: is the starting point. Yeah. Oh,
2: wow. So And it comes out of Invasion. It's not a direct result of Invasion. It's not like the Invasion plot does this. Yeah. But uh, it just all happens at the same time as Invasion. I think Invasion is an extra stress that happens to Superman in the middle of all this. And uh, his mind was broken by a combination of doing something he feels guilty about, breaking his code, really, and Brainiac attacking him. And uh, we saw in Superman 27... There's also a Brainiac attack. Yeah. So he keeps getting zapped by um, Brainiac. Gonna that's gonna leave a mark, and, <laughs> that's gonna and, do and
0: he, he gets his butt handed to him by the uh, the Daxamites. You know, also. in in, mm-hmm. in invasion. So that has to hurt somewhere, if not psychologically. So... Yeah, it
2: just you know wears him down. There's a lot of weight on his where, shoulders. Yeah. Uh, he snaps, and we don't know anything about Kryptonian psychology. You we... know, this may be a normal reaction.
0: For all we know, Superman is just a regular person, right? He's no No soldier. He's not a police officer. He he doesn't have access to psychological help or anything. So,
2: I mean, after a while, it has to
0: wear him down.
2: I feel also that it's for the the creative teams working in what we might call the shadow of John Byrne. They are actually very much responding to some of the decisions that Byrne, some of the choices that Byrne made. For example, creating this storyline means that suddenly Superman is a galactic player. Which was something that John Byrne didn't seem to have an interest in. Okay. Uh, they they use it to bring back Supergirl as uh, a character that John Byrne didn't want to have in the Superman mythos. Made her that Matrix thing, that, yeah. that biological construct from another world, uh, who was briefly Supergirl. So so he would get to draw Supergirl, but that, it's not really Supergirl. It's not really Supergirl. So he, ha- he has his cake and eats it too. So they're going to bring it back, even though it's going to still be Matrix. Yeah. It, she'll be more and more like the character that we remember. And um, even the choice that Byrne made to have Superman kill, they very much have, you know, make it have huge consequences and use it to propel the story to other places. I don't know what Byrne was thinking. I don't know if Byrne necessarily had, you know, no plans for this, or if he did have plans for it, or if it was supposed to be, I don't know, his own political agenda to. to to say the execution was okay or
0: i i don't know i don't i, I don't know but the repercussions i mean they just last uh, because when it
2: happened i'm sure you know there, there are some readers who thought this is too much this is going yeah this is not superman this, this isn't is, superman this is this would be like in my mind something like the that that
0: time where wonder woman just snapped
2: snap maxwell lord's, uh, maxwell lord's
0: yeah. head exactly
2: know. and with her you can people instead decided to just double down and justify it she's make a warrior her, make her a warrior and yeah, yeah. but ex- explore that part of which is it can be done Hmm. But Superman. It was done. But Superman... Ew, ew. So a lot of people didn't like that, obviously. So it had to have consequences. Yeah. I'm not sure when the consequences started. Uh, I'm sure some of our friends like Mike Bailey could actually tell us because they're, they're more... You know, yeah. They've got all that stuff in their heads and I, I didn't open my boxes deep. <laughs> I've got these <laughs> ones out since we started Invasion. Yeah. So the box is somewhere under Other Boxes. The collection's missing only these two or the, the four that are part of Invasion. So uh, I'm not too sure if... If Burns started the ball rolling on the nightmares. And what, or if it was just, like, uh, dealt with. But these writers certainly decided to take up that baton and say, it's true, that was not something Superman should have done. And let's make it more than just, a lesson learned. <laughs> yeah, uh, Let's make it an important part of his story. And really deconstruct the character. And push him towards this exile. It's, it's using that tragedy to fuel other stories that then fuel yeah. other stories. I think that's why... I, that's why I love this era of it. Post-Burn, well, even Burn can count into it because it's yeah, just probably the start started of it. it. But yeah. let's say the post-Burn, because his wasn't so serialized, but the post-Burn to end of Reign of the Superman, like those uh, six years, that stuff, I think, is gold because every time they set up a, a new story, that story will have babies and have more stories and then more stories. So to me, like that would be if I were to tell someone to read an era of Superman, I think that's like a nice block oh, yeah. to get. Big time. Everything until he has a mullet.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, he comes back with a mullet. Yes, yes. But everything in the... I mean, even the uh, the Superman without a cape. Because in this issue, when he rips off the gangbuster suit, he has no cape. Right. And I see that as a Superman who has basically not fallen, but he's not totally Superman. Because the iconic Superman has a cape. And he, he has no cape for this whole issue and his his blue and red looks a lot like the black solar suit he wears when he comes back but uh this kind of felt like he was at the end of something just because we didn't have that cape everywhere i mean the cape is so iconic a big red cape who has that him and spawn and who's spawn <laughs> right the character is missing something and
2: that's interesting, but doesn't Professor Hamilton say, um, you know, I could make you a uh, more resistant cape? Yeah. So it's like. He says exactly that. It's, it's like everybody's trying to help Superman but, r- become Superman again or, you know, ground himself yeah. again. Because you've got Guardian. Guardian tries him to help. You, you know, take some help from your friends. Yeah. Uh, we can help. Cadmus Project can help. Uh, you shouldn't be going through this alone. Mm-hmm. He refuses that help. Goes to Lois. Lois is in her own little subplot, sort of a romantic triangle kind of thing he just doesn't want to bother her and it's like suddenly he goes well if, if she'd been available he'd have had that conversation with her she's not available and then he just goes no i don't want to bother yeah her with the, it's my burden uh, but there's also shame in that i think there's the oh, shame I, of I, having been someone else you know gangbuster who is a violent person we saw in the, the other comic that yeah. the newspaper that says that that was like that was the hint where the two personalities are not compatible mm-hmm. because Superman hate you know what what, is it, what does it say that the headline it says
0: gangbusters methods
2: criminal yeah Superman speaks out if Superman thinks that but he's been doing that and yeah. it's on the back of having killed three people so he doesn't take the help from Lois that he could have he goes to Professor Hamilton and gets help from him and Faulkner to get the breathing apparatus to leave but he's offered other help yeah he doesn't want the other help he doesn't want the other help and maybe if if you're right the Cape is a symbol. I can get your cape back again, give you another cape, is a symbol of I can make Superman right again. I, yeah. I can help you make yourself right but uh, he seems to think that only he can do that and he has yeah. to go on that journey. When he well, goes home, his parents do the same thing. Yeah, His father tells him, well, you had to do what you had to do and mm-hmm. you shouldn't uh, feel guilt over this and this is what could have happened and he's really trying to downplay uh, Well, he, uh, he, what, what Superman did. He talks to Superman and as he if... walks into a tornado.
0: No, wait. that's, <laughs> no, that's not the... But he, <laughs> he, he, he talks to Superman as if Superman understood what a soldier goes through or a police officer goes through when he has to
2: right uh, because he had he was in korea or it's hard to say because the sliding scale of time exactly Uh, but in the 80s if he's an old man probably korea probably korea but the only time he has a cape
0: on is when his mom puts it on so that's kind of a Mm -hmm. like a soft rebirth of superman where she bundles him up like because the cape used to be his, his swaddling yeah, his, clothes when he was a baby. So uh, I, think <laughs> yeah. I think it's very symbolic. Maybe it's not supposed to be that way. I don't know. Maybe I just read it like that because yeah. I like to do that. But she, I mean, takes Martha Martha to. Yeah. You know, <laughs> to, to, get, to get Clark's head back in there. And that big old kiss with Lana Lang. Mm, oh uh-huh. my, that's a real kiss. Yeah. That's, not, that's not a little peck on the cheek. That's a real no, kiss. And
2: this is a, the relationship with Lana in the post-crisis universe is kind of an odd one, in a sense. You know, here it seems there, there's romantic love there. Yeah. But originally, they were sort of boyfriend-girlfriend in school and then sort of just just became friends more than anything, even at that time, and he's the only person outside of his family that he had told his secret to uh, so she was important to him, but he left town, and, you know, there wasn't actually something there. But at this point, he's not with Lois. He's not? That's still some ways away before um, they get together. Yeah, I think he, he's probably interested. Who wouldn't be? Oh, yeah, well, I, I think, right? yeah, Lois Lane has always been the love interest, but, you know, they're really not together. I think just prior to this, he'd been dating Cat Grant, and, yeah. you know, so uh, the, the post-crisis Superman, or the Burn Superman, really, was sort of uh, more of a player. He, well, he might date several women uh, Across, yeah. the the few years that uh, Byrne was on the book, probably not at once, though. No, because I mean, he's supposed to no, be. No, 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 no. It's it, it was all yeah. you know quite proper, but um, uh, some people call him like the Lothario Superman, or it's, yeah. it's like a. Well, he has a couple girlfriends. Yeah. I mean, you can't blame the guy. I mean, he's
0: tall, he's dark, he's handsome.
2: You know, and some people didn't like that necessarily. Really? But, yeah. But, you know, I prefer it to Superman just dicking around with Lana oh. or Lois or, oh or both. Yeah. Uh, which was kind of, you know... Playing
0: these weird mind yeah. games from the, the <laughs> Silver Age. Yeah, yeah,
2: that's what I mean. I mean, that's just... It's like super this. dickery. So, so that it wasn't a problem to me. For this, it's like his last human contact with someone yeah. before he leaves and... Uh, so it's a moment that maybe he's repressed something. Hey, I don't, think and he's it, not involved with anyone else. So I, I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's
0: a very symbolic thing. Once, a, once again, you know, it, it's like kissing his childhood goodbye, or mm. you know, when he was younger, goodbye. The past is the past, and and he flies off so sad,
2: never looks back.
0: No, it's true. He flies off so sad
2: because uh, when we the next page, he hits uh, space. So there's Earth in the background. It's like a blue serpent kind of Mm -hmm. look uh and then passes the moon and then we see it polarize uh he's outside the field of it because he remains in color so that's a nice little twist and then um back to normal and we're just seeing earth and the moon alone in space uh without a superman
0: there's a big blue thing with a big blackish thing (laughs) over him
2: yeah but they're using photocopies yeah photostats of um of Earth. And- of Earth and the Moon, which is a good effect, I think. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. So what does that mean for Invasion? Well, uh, invasion has to wrap without Superman. Well, that's a big move. That's well, they don't move. need him because the gene bomb blows. He is not a metahuman. No, he's, he's not bad. a human. There's no effect that it can have on him yeah. uh, that uh, well, would be part un- of that story.
0: Unless it would... Presumably. It could have in some way changed them you know if if uh, the gene bomb gives uh humans powers I mean this could have been one of those things that would give Superman his electrical powers okay yeah type thing right type thing
2: yeah maybe although if the dominator if we track the story the dominators discover that humanity has a metagene yeah exactly it's so new. that means that's a it's a human thing yeah. it's a human trait unless yeah. Kryptonians have a metagene which is not probably not is, is you know it's not addressed so it's probably not so we don't need him to be changed or yeah. to be affected or whatever the gene bomb will do and we we'll just find that out in well for us in a few episodes yeah. so we don't know yet exactly or we're, we're playing dumb if we do know <laughs> if we do know I, we're playing I've, dumb I've read the third yeah, act we're, we're but you know but yeah it's not going to affect Superman so Superman's yeah. out and that means that whatever resolution has to be made without Earth's biggest hero And his its biggest hero that will not be affected by the gene bomb. So if the gene bomb owns a lot of superheroes, who will beat the villains at the end? Who will rise up? Yeah.
1: Rise up.
2: Uh, So everybody's gonna get a metagene, maybe maybe is out of the fight, we'll see. Is
0: Tasmanian Devil gonna be the savior of? I, I think he's got another gene. I think does he?
2: Well, he must. I think he does. I'm not sure about his origin story, but I don't he's a human being with superpowers. Uh, but you know, so, so it's what Martian Manhunter. That's what that's what we got. We that, got but- Martian Manhunter. <laughs> Well, he is overpowered. Uh, Wonder Woman's probably not a metahuman. No, she's a half-god. Yeah, so the magic users uh, yeah. that have, the, you know, I guess the Lords of Order have said magic users can't participate, so... Yeah, so uh, I guess Captain Marvel at this uh, point. Captain Marvel, yeah. He's uh, yeah.
0: probably, I mean, the big red cheese. Everybody <laughs> loved him. So the, those are possibilities. We're seeing this completely blind here. We, we haven't checked. We're throwing you off the scent. Yeah, exactly.
2: Uh, we'll uh, take another uh, small break. Letters from the front. Letters from the front.
0: Letters from the
1: front. <laughs>
2: Beginning in
0: 2018,
2: the Who's Who podcast enters the 1990s with our coverage of the loose leaf editions. Featuring Superman by Jerry Ordway. The Joker by Brian Bolland. Wonder Woman by George Perez.
0: Sandman by Mike Dringenberg.
2: Batman by Norm Brayfogle.
0: The JLI by Adam Hughes.
2: Eclipso by Bart Sears
0: The Legion of Superheroes by Keith Giffen
2: Dark Stars by Travis Charest
0: Lobo by Simon Bisley
2: Kent Shakespeare by Chris Sprouse? Who is that? Doomsday by Tom Grummet Wait, are we covering these by issue or in alphabetical order? The Justice Society of America by Mike Paravec The Forever People again? You are f***ing kidding me Doom Patrol by Richard Case <sighs> I'm so confused
0: And many more The Who's Who Podcast Going boldly into the
2: 90s. A proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network, I guess. We're back. We're opening up the mailbag. Ooh. Letters from the front. Letters from the front. Bugle. And uh, these are about episode number 27, Wonder Woman number 26, Captain Adam number 25. So 25, 26, 27. Wow. was the, the numbers going up there. And uh, most of these comments come from FireWaterPodcast.com, where you may also leave your comments. Hey, it's a great place to
0: join the conversation. There's a lot of smart people saying a lot of smart things on there. Plus, shag. <laughs>
2: um, let's start with David S. Gutierrez. But he's uh, hot. That's, it. that's why we keep him around. Eye candy. Eye candy for podcasts. David A. Gutierrez says, This was my Wonder Woman era. Oh, cool. And you're right about Gal Gadot and Linda Carter having that charismatic quality. Regarding Wonder Woman art, I remember feeling a little let down every time I opened a Wonder Woman book and not seeing Perez's interiors. It's so synonymous with what made her reboot book work. We can't do much about it. Yeah, we, even if we went back in time. Yeah. How would we force George <laughs> Perez to draw Wonder <laughs> Woman? Uh, Chris Franklin says, "Has Wonder Woman ever handed Major Force his magenta arse?" Mister Stuffed Refrigerator deserves a beat down from comics' premier heroine. Uh, that's a good question. I'm not sure. Uh, he's referring to the idea that uh, Major Force, you know, he sort of showed his true colors and did yeah. attack a woman. Uh, he winds up uh, killing Cal Rayner's girlfriend. He's the one that fridges Green oh really? Lantern's girlfriend. Really? Yeah. He's and the one that stuffed him? He's the one. Oh,
0: my. I didn't know that. Why didn't I know that? I just know I hated that guy, but I didn't know that.
2: Obviously, that was an important moment in uh, Misogyny in Comics because uh, it uh, created the the uh, you know the, the trope. Well, or the the way people labeled the trope about refrigerators, you know, girlfriends in refrigerators, yeah, and that became an outlet for a number of female writers who, uh, you know, worked on a website, found these these things, condemned these things. One of which was Gail Simone, and that's how she got her start. Oh so, my! Um, and that's that's how she came to, to prominence and became a comic writer eventually. Wow! So, so and a Woman comic writer at that.
0: So major force is useful for something.
2: Well, I guess if... uh, Yeah. Although... Yeah. uh, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Something good came out of something terrible. Yeah. But... um, uh, Yeah. He was the one who did that. So I I don't know if Wonder Woman and... Although you'd think... You'd think that Gail Simone would just have written the the hell out of that story. (laughs) Maybe it never Uh, happened.
0: But I sure hope it does. You know what? I'd like to see him get just ping-ponged around by a couple female superheroes. Just get his butt handed to him, you know, by everybody, everybody.
2: Yeah, I think Comic Vine did, uh, did somebody had a a thread I'm looking for. It says, can Wonder Woman defeat Major Force in an all-out battle? And, uh... I think the answer is Yes. And everybody's Can't. going, I think she can. Of course she can. Come on. Of course she can. She's a putz. Hey, she can take on Superman. But I, uh, in other words, I, I guess this hasn't... There, there's no actual comic book story where this happens. It has to happen. <laughs> Let's start a petition. I don't even think Major Force exists in the DC Universe. Let's create him and fridge him. <laughs> he gets fridged. Okay. Uh, what else? What else? What else? We've got Paul Hicks. Who says, thanks for the continued concern about my well-being and being <laughs> well, in Australia, well, yeah. right? The way Aussies can dominate certain sports and the film industry, you'd think we would have a few more superheroes. Oh, well, at least Tasmanian Devil is well-known, respected, and the star of so many great comics in the DC universe. <laughs> yes, of course he is.
1: <whop, whop.
2: <laughs> Frank says... Oh, Hunker down. Diablo Frank says, Thanks for the Diana Prince podcast plug. I should probably be working on an episode of that instead of replying, but here we are. I own all of Chris Marinan's Wonder Woman run, but have only read some of it because it looks hideous. Uh, This was also Perez going solo as a writer. Neither choice was desirable or well advised. He's the Wonder Woman expert, you know. Uh, I've tried to watch Gal Gadot in non-Wonder Woman stuff and feel strongly that this role is her thing in much the same way. It's been for Linda Carter. In retrospect, I question the Theory of stereotyping because it seems to me like actors like Adam West and George Reeves I only would have seen them as stars while portraying Batman and Superman. Sometimes the right feel or presence and look is the most important thing about portraying a character, and it doesn't necessarily translate broadly. Sometimes you're just very specific character actor, and your character happens to be the star. So, Wonder Woman's great. Gal Gadot, not necessarily great, as not Wonder Woman is what he's saying. Well, uh, I kind of get that, though, because uh, in Furious
0: movies, mm-hmm. uh, no, not, not memorable. Not really, but uh, Keeping Up with the Joneses, mm-hmm.
2: ah, she was great in that, but she was very Wonder Woman-y okay. in that. Uh, It makes sense to have two of the DC characters most associated with military service working together, Wonder Woman and Captain Adam, and though they have become so far removed from that role in the decades since that it seems more odd now, for me, the post-crisis Captain Adam was Firestorm done right, an upper-echelon powerhouse written with more grounded personality who could take part in both cosmic and more realistic stories. Uh, here, Mark Baker Wright said, Them's fighting words. Yeah, yeah, because Firestorm done right. Ooh. Mm-hmm. I really dug how he could be wounded by the right tech and made vulnerable, as well as how much political intrigue played into his stories. But then he could jump into a JLI arc and fit right in there, too. But it's never not going to be a problem that Captain Adam is the silver surfer with hair. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then we, uh, you know, because the previous episode we talked about uh, our favorite DC villains yeah yeah Uh, then we answered comments about favorite DC villains and so there's a little bit of that uh, still going on Uh, he says because he'd said that he liked every Catwoman okay and we wondered if you know Halle Berry counted does she Uh, he says I do not exclude Halle Berry from my Catwoman list, although she'd probably be dead last among actresses to portray her in live action. I've seen a lot of Barry-specific cosplay, so she has her fans. I also don't hate the 2004 movie as much as most people, because in my headcanon, it's a variation on the Mary McCabe vixen under more commercial branding. That's true. Right? She's like yeah. the Animal Powers, right? In that? Yeah, she's kind of like a cat vixen. Cat vixen and then basketball. That's all I've seen. I've only <laughs> seen that basketball scene. Um, he says, uh, What does he say? He says... I can't speak to Carmen uh, Bikandova's portrayal in Gotham because I've never seen an entire episode, but I understand she has a small following from the show. Yeah, I think she's good. I, yeah, I think she's good. I'm I'm, I'm a, I'm a she, fan of Gotham. She, yeah, she would be a strong point in that show. Yeah. Do you watch Gotham? Uh, a little bit. On and off. It's never been as good as the first season for me, but yeah. I, I like it. Uh, every time I start to move on producing a new episode of DC Bloodlines, I'm reminded that the next annual I would have to cover was written by Gerard Jones, and I don't want to deal with that. Um, but then I also remembered that Tasmanian Devil plays a role there, that I've already partially scripted a Taz solo episode, and that I still want Paul Hicks to do the character voice. Ooh. So maybe. Let's do it, guys. Yeah, should do, do it. He's free. Australia's free. It's been liberated, so yeah. Paul should be fine to, to work on that episode. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'd love to hear it. But, of course, there is that, that whole Gerard Jones thing where he's yeah. been arrested for things unmentionable. Well. That ruins, like, ten years of Green Lantern comics, guys.
1: <laughs>
2: Everybody's turning out to be terrible. Well, just don't be terrible. Yeah, stop it, being terrible because it's killing fandom. It's killing That's everything. the real tragedy? Is that what we're saying? No, no. <laughs> no, not at all. Those
0: acts are the real tragedy. Oh, so Stop uh, being entitled assholes and just do stuff for
2: fun. Oh. Uh, Shag says... To answer Cisco's question about the truth being revealed to the JLI about Captain Adam, I'm a little foggy myself. I can tell you the reveal of Captain Adam's lies did not happen in JLI. Using the Googles for research. It happens sometime between Captain Adam 20 and 26. In Captain Adam 20, Captain Adam totally snows Blue Beetle about his secret history. Uh, you just covered Captain Adam 25. so And in Captain 26, the JLI apparently confront the Captain. Captain Adam Annual Number 2 is in that mix as well uh, because Bialia is involved, which is a JLI subplot. So he's not uh, sure at this point, but somebody's going to come to the rescue. Watch out. Uh, <laughs> Because in that issue of Captain Adam, some people in the JLI sort of outright hated him. Yeah, yeah. And he was like a team member. So what was happening there? Jimmy McGlinchey is the one that comes to the rescue. He says, it also comes up when the JLI it in Captain Adam's book in issues 16 and 17... Uh, Mr. Miracle found out that Captain Adam's skin was alien in nature and not what he said had happened when he revealed himself to the world. The confrontation involving Beetle, Booster, and Mr. Miracle happened in 26 through 28. There was a mention of it subsequently in JLI Annual Number 3 where Beetle was warned not to say anything to the JLE members as they were not aware of Adam's deception in the early JLE issues when Adam has an argument with John, Max Lord, and Oberon about having the JLA look over the JLE's shoulder. So basically, they think he's a liar and a cheat. Yeah, he lied about his whole superhero shtick. Huh. So um They can't trust them. They can't trust them. But that, that's where it sort of happened. Okay. To us, it seemed to come out of nowhere Yeah, because we're reading these issues out of context. But it's not gratuitous. It's not gratuitous. That's <laughs> not gratuitous. Tim Price says, A little thought on Diana. In addition to her great charisma, I also felt she verged on having a low-level superpower to bring out the best in people. But it's part of the purity of Diana that it just happens. She doesn't force it on others in any way. Unfortunately, it can backfire in some. Situations such as a feeling of jealousy or desire, explaining lots of her foes, Silver Swan, and Mm -hmm. and so on, kind of of are reacted adversely to her her power and brings out the worst. Yeah, kind of like fire did.
0: Fire kind of reacted negatively to it's
2: it's almost uh, pheromonal. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, ooh, she's so perfect. Mm-hmm. And- An interesting idea, but uh, characters that bring out the best of people, I think like Doctor Who, the Doctor is kind of like that. Yeah. Take somebody really normal, and the adventures bring out the the best in them and turns them into heroes. Yeah. And very often the companion will be, especially in the modern day, the one that, that sort of solves the problems. Yeah. Uh, while the Doctor is the mentor.
0: Well, just think of Rory, how he was like a dumbass and
2: became... Awesome. Yeah, it became yeah. awesome. Uh, but even someone like Rose or Amy. I'm not big on Amy. No, but, but you, you know. know those characters. If the Doctor had not interceded in their lives, yeah, they're sort of going nowhere. Yeah, Rose. Would when have we been when he picks them up, they're around. no, they're going nowhere. Exactly. So and then to turn them into people that are so. Yeah, I, I even kind of liked Mickey at the end. You know, that's an effect that yeah. that life has on them, but that the Doctor has had on them. And I think it's an interesting idea that Wonder Woman is similar. I like to think so. Yeah, so it's part of that. Um, you know, she makes you better because you become a positive person around her. Ah, we should have more
0: Wonder Woman around sure, on game
2: uh, Facebook likes and shares from Billy Lacasse Clinton Robinson of Coffee and Comics David Foster Derek William Crabb Jack Dower Leon Beshega Mark Adams Mark Beltron, Max Romero Michael Harlow Mike Zacker Nicholas Brom Ali Almeida Pat Sampson Rich Matsumoto Rob Kelly Robert Ward Sean Emmons Shag Matthews Starman Manhunter Adventure Hour Stephen Bird and Zoom Yukonori on Google Plus thank you for plusing us the hammer strikes Gene <laughs> Hendricks uh, and on Twitter retweets and favorites from Ange Ascani Sun, Bruno Veloso, Callum Nauer, Cash Flag, Chris Lewis. Who says it would appear that? Oh yeah, he he found a um, he found a picture of. I, I think it's just like it's Australia and there's okay. Pluto on top of it. To show that Pluto's about the same the same Size. height. Okay. <laughs> you know. Uh, and here he says it would appear that if Pluto was going to hit the Earth, it would zero in on Australia. <laughs> As an invasion, intergalactic peril always seems to home in on Australia. Yes. And only Australia would be destroyed by Pluto. Yep, of course. There's no effect to anyone else. Coffee and Comics, Comic Reflections, David Is Gutierrez, David Byer Jr., David Jorgensen, uh, Earth to Chris, Fanholes Podcast, the irredeemable shag of Firestorm Fan. Free media marketing. Okay. Greg A. Guts. <laughs> mcgool seems to be a halloween nickname perhaps hicks hokoff jeffrey brown john belgeron kazubu mark wiggins martin gray max romero its plastic man miguel angel luque uh Head, pogo sario rat adventures rob kelly creative of film and water podcast treasury comics superman movie minute hostess ads pod dylan and digest cast sam sean anthony warner ted kilvington the aquaman shrine tim price Warlock Thanos Podcast, Wild Wolf, William Estep, and Xenozoic Xenophile. Wow,
0: that's a lot of people. Thank you, everybody. Uh,
2: yeah, and uh, you know, keep uh, sharing and liking. and uh, That's how these uh, these posts kind of rise yeah. to the top, so people, more people can see them and uh, listen to them. So you two can leave comments. The usual ways are um, fireandwaterpodcast.com. That's it. And if you can also leave them on Facebook, we've got a Facebook page. And uh, on Twitter, please use the hashtag FW Podcasts.
0: Next time on First Strike the Invasion Podcast. Starman number six.